Good evening, everyone. Um, let me take, uh, typically when this reading in Lent happens in C and we hear the, uh, the account of our first reading, um, I tend to get a couple emails asking people to explain perhaps what was going on. What is that ritual? What, are the, what was the splitting of the birds? What was all that? And so in our first reading, um, we learn of a solemn covenant that God made with Abram which was the foundation of God's relationship with the people of Israel. The solemn covenant was a pledge of God's fidelity. The ritual method was of an ancient rite, and we have to remember, uh, always remember, the context in which it was written. So we go back to see what, what was kind of typical of them back then. And uh, in that rite, the contraction parties cut an animal in two, and walk between the divided parts, invoking the fate of the animals on themselves should they fail to observe the terms of their contract. Since God's covenant with Abraham is unilateral, only God, symbolized by the furnace and the torch, passes between the pieces. God would not allow Abraham to walk through it because he would not be able to keep everything, but God can, so only God walked through it. The birds of prey symbolize the forces hostile to Israel. The covenant led to the, um, this covenant led to the covenant of Sinai and culminated in the new and eternal covenant, which Jesus would seal with his own blood on Calvary. Much can be said about the Tabor experience. So the experience could be said for Jesus to confirm him in the course that has taken. Elijah and Moses speak to Jesus about what is to come on Calvary. The transfiguration benefits the apostles. It prepared them also for what was to come, the passion and death and resurrection of the chosen one, Jesus. And my friends, uh, on that day, on his passion, the brutality inflicted upon Jesus would be so much so that he would even lose in the appearance of a human person, as the scriptures would tell us. The prophet Isaiah says that that one would be so inhumanly treated and transfigured that he would no longer look like a human person. Isaiah 52, 14. The second reading of St. Paul speaks about the enemies of the cross. And um, again, context. Who was he talking about when he said this in his time? Well, I cannot be 100% sure. I can tell you that it is likely something that was going on in the communities. And what was going on was that there were Jewish Christians who uh, were missionaries, uh, what we would understand as missionaries, who were saying that the only way the Gentiles could become a Christian was first to become Jewish. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so uh, Paul was fighting against it. He's saying, no, that's not how it works. And uh, he would go on, and he makes that mention about your stomachs and stuff, and they had all the purity laws. 
that then the Gentiles would have to. And remember, there's a big thing about pork with them. Gentiles could eat it and the Jews could not. But um, while it seems insignificant to us, it was not to them. And it was a fight. People lost their lives back then about it. Eventually, the apostles would come together and talk about it and say, knock it off, first of all. I mean, Peter and Paul really had to discuss this. And um, they came to their understanding, no, you didn't have to do that. Um, so my friends, when I reflect back on this first reading, it tells us of this conversation between God and who we know as Abraham. It is the deepest, in its deepest meaning, that conversation tells us that Abraham, uh, with Abraham, God begins the work of restoring humans to the image that they were created in in the beginning. Remember? God created them in his image. But the restoration fully of human nature to the divine image would be complete only in the resurrection of Jesus. The faith of Abraham was the beginning of that restoration, however. The image of God in human nature was broken by human disobedience. And human nature, as Genesis 1, 26 tells us, was created in God's image. The sin of humanity destroyed and distorted that image of God in human hearts. So God made a covenant with Abram. And Abraham responded to the promise of God with great faith and great obedience. Abraham never questioned God or doubted God's promise, but in all things gave God glory. You know what I'm talking about when God said, take your son now to the mountain and sacrifice him to me. Great faith. In the faith of Abraham, God found what he had not found in Adam. So my friends, you who are baptized, who are the disciples of Jesus Christ, your faith continues the restoration of the image of God in human people. Abraham believed God would bring new life into the world. The disciple today believes that God brings new life, the risen Christ, from the barren tomb. Because of the resurrection, Christ, the faithful disciple, will rise again. The guarantee of salvation. Living in faith, each one of you then who are his disciples, perpetuate that restoration of the image of God in humanity. By faith, individuals cooperate in the work of restoring the image of God in human people. God requires of us what he did of Abraham, faith and obedience. In our second reading, St. Paul calls us to be imitators of him as a faithful follower in Christ. What St. Paul meant is repeated in the invitation of the preface of the Mass. Lift up your heart. Paul invited the Christians of Philippi to lift up their hearts. St. Paul exhorted them to imitate him. People opposed to St. Paul were putting forth alternatives and making things difficult. 
which caused division and confusion amongst the people, the followers of the way, as they were known, Christians. St. Paul was the exemplar model of Christian living. He spoke of the need for a constant striving for salvation, Philippians 3, 12. My friends, our Mass, our Catholic Mass, invites us to lift up our hearts in all things, the celebration of the Mass is the sacramental celebration of the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. In it, we are reminded of the death and resurrection of Christ, what He did. We are to lift up our hearts at Mass, and after Mass, we are to do the same when we leave this building and take it to places of businesses, schools, where you work, live, where you play. We are to live with hearts uplifted, waiting for the coming of Christ. We know the salvation he brings transforms humanity. Christ will transform us with his power, the power of his paschal mystery. And when he does, we shall be like him as he is now, resplendent in glory. But we must be like St. Paul, with our eyes and our hearts fixed on Jesus, standing firm in the Lord, as St. Paul would say. We do this as Jesus did. He stood firm, and he was transfigured while in prayer. Did you catch that? While he was in prayer, he changed before them. Christ went up that mountain to pray and to converse with these two great ones, who, by the way, we were told, were in glory, meaning they were very much alive in heaven. Now, my friends, we do not know the exact nature of the prayer offered by Christ to his Father. However, he likely asked the Father to assist his apostles, for it was apparent that they had great difficulty accepting a Messiah who would suffer and die. Jesus prayed often for the grace the apostles needed. On this occasion, while he was in prayer, he transfigured before them. The physical changes were obvious to those apostles. While he was praying, these changes took place. The apostles glimpsed this, and their lives were transformed. For us, prayer transforms our lives. Suffering is dignified by prayer. Prayer keeps our souls strong in the face of great challenge. Prayer elevates the mind to the divine ideals and virtues. In this, then, weak faith can become strong. The discouraged person takes new heart. Prayer offers the soul the joy of divine consolation. In prayer, the human heart can open to God. In prayer, the human heart can be filled with the very presence of God. Prayer produces peace in the human heart in a way that nothing else can. And no matter how hidden the hand of God may be in your life, or at least you feel that it's that way, Prayer will reveal the Father. 
We just have to do what we heard on that mountain. Be attentive to the Father. Listen to his words. He said, this is my begotten one. Listen to him. Obey him. And all things will be as they should be. My friends, in our times when uh, things are really just kind of nutty and people um, have lost heart and are in depression and stuff like that, lift up your hearts. Take, Take heed. Stand firm in the Lord. As much as we think things are totally out of control, the Father has it. We just can't see everything. And that really irritates us, doesn't it? <laughs> it do, I mean, to be honest, it bugs us to no end. Um, and this is where faith and trust comes in when it comes to God. What else will you do? Jesus presents something to Peter. We will hear in the coming scriptures about his body and blood, about eating it. And everyone's running away. Oh, we can't take any more of that talk of his. And Jesus turns to Peter. You want to go? You want to go with him? Peter says, where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. I'll stay here with you. Stay here with him. No matter how crazy it seems outside, stay here with him. My friends, so we continue praying. My friends, uh, we pray always for peace everywhere. Prayer transforms. And while it may not seem like a lot, we pray for East and Central Europe now. We pray for the peoples of Russia, for the peoples of Ukraine, and all those affected, for peace to come, for an end to violence everywhere of all kinds. And uh, my friends, last week, uh, we did a, I said part of our collection would go. And as far as I'm, my understanding is it's 14,000? I think for, no, yeah, I think we're at 14000 so $14,000 will be uh, given to the bishops here, and the bishops will give it to the churches, to the churches in Central and Eastern Europe uh, so that they may help all people who are affected by this, uh, by this war, uh, to give them what they need. And in the meantime, we pray. We pray for the leaders of all these countries that are uh, doing a lot of talking, that uh, they can do a little more action, meaning to bring peace. I'm not talking about war. I'm talking about bringing everyone to the table and to find out what are the differences, what's going on, uh, how, can, how can there be a resolution. Um, let us not lose hope uh, in Christ. And so we invoke him and Our Lady to bring peace. 